Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Jonathan de Burka Butler joins us once again to bring us stories from other parts of our uh, lovely planet. Jonathan, good afternoon to you. How are you doing, Sean? Uh, now we're going to go to Canada first. Uh, uh, interesting story in terms of uh, what is the definition of a binding contract or not uh, uh, as a result of a court case there? Yeah, a court case that took place in Saskatchewan, um, specifically was in the court of the King's Bench in Saskatchewan, uh, who heard that a grain buyer by the name of Southwest Terminal sent a mass text message to clients back in March of 2021. And they advertised that the company was looking to buy 86 tonnes of flax, right, at a price of 17 Canadian dollars. That works out as about 11.50 euros okay. per bushel, right? And you need to get 36.47 bushels to get a tonne, right? So basically what they do is they have all these farmers who make flax, they put out a big message saying, we want to buy this, do you want in? And you either accept it or you reject it, right? And the buyer in this particular case for Southwest Terminal spoke to a farmer by the name of Chris Actor on the phone. And then after that phone conversation, he texted a picture of a contract uh, that was to be delivered for flax in November, Mm. to which Chris Actor, the farmer, uh, replied with a thumbs up emoji. Now, it's critical that in the original text that was sent by Southwest Terminal, they said to the farmer, please confirm flax contract in the message. And that's, he responded with the thumbs up emoji. Right? Okay. Now, come November, the flax hadn't been delivered and by then the price of flax had gone up. So if you're reading between the lines to try and maybe get a motive for why the farmer decided that he didn't want this contract to go through, it's because the price of the flax had gone up and so mm. he could you know, potentially get more, right? So there was what, March to November, a good five, six months in between the the, the contract being agreed to, let's say, and the, the delivery date, right? But nothing came. And so Southwest Terminal took them to court and they basically said that they had entered into a contract with them, but Actor, the farmer, Chris Actor, the farmer, disputed this. He basically said, no, the thumbs up emoji wasn't to accept the contract. It was to, ex- it was to show that I had received the message with the contract in it. And he said specifically during the court case, I did not have time to review the flax contract and merely wanted to indicate that I did receive his text message. However... The judge in this case, a man by the name of Justice Timothy Keane, said the co- said in his final statement that this court readily acknowledges that a thumbs up emoji is a non-traditional means to sign a document. But nevertheless, under these circumstances, this was a valid way to convey the purposes of a signature. And so therefore, he ordered the farmer to pay the equivalent of about 56,000 euros Ooh, uh, for an unfulfilled ouch. contract. And uh, by by doing that, he basically said, look... This thumbs up emoji was in response to that uh, thing message in the text. Please confirm flax contract, and so therefore you accepted the the contract, and so mm. you, you you didn't deliver, and so therefore you're on the hook for 50, right. 56 grand. And, and there seemed to be no necessity to send an actual physical uh, contract and actually have a physical signature on it. I, just I, a- yeah, that's that's what he's saying. So so the physical contract came, obviously, you know, might have come in a PDF. I don't mm. know through WhatsApp or whatever. And your man, because this the, the farmer, because this has been done before, uh, just went, yeah, grand, we'll go with that. Okay. And, and that was accepted by Southwest Terminal as entering into the contract. And, and it went from there. Yeah. And you can imagine, like, it's it's Canada. So it's like <clears throat> big open country, uh, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, lots of these contracts in from lots of different farmers. Probably this is how, this is how they do it. Well, and this well, has been done a, like this before, yeah, you know. It's probably a seasonal thing. But the fact, True. though, that just a thumbs up emoji could be used as as 
uh, accepting a contract, might that be kind of as a precedent? Yeah, well, might that's be what kind um, of worrying. Yeah, exactly. And well, I don't know if it's worrying, but that's what Timothy Keane, the the judge in this particular case, has pointed out. He said that. The court cannot nor should it attempt to stem the tide of technology and common usage of emojis. This appears to be the new reality in Canadian society and courts will have to be ready to meet the new challenges that may arise from the use of emojis and the like. So he's basically saying, yeah, look, in this case, I suppose I've set a precedent here. Now, whether it goes to appeal, which is your classic question, I don't know, to be honest with you, whether it can go to a higher court. I imagine like this is, is a provincial court. Uh, so it can probably go up the chain and, and it, 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 it might make its way up uh, yeah. higher. So it mightn't be over yet. Okay. But if he'd sent a smiley face or... A, this, is know, what he, this is what, uh, this uh, is what uh, they're... Or an emoji, yeah. you know, one of those emojis no one understands. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, this is actually what his uh, lawyers <laughs> argued. They said that this would open the floodgates to new interpretations of other emojis, including the fist pump and handshake. Uh, but the, the uh, judge said no, yeah. no. Uh, right, Kenya, we're going to go to uh, next. And uh, three workers there were made strip o- over a sanitary pad. Yeah, this was in a uh, factory outside of Nairobi. Okay, the company's called Brown's Food Company. Okay, I think they specialise in making cheese. And um, they have a number of individuals working there, obviously. And on one day, relatively recently, uh, one of the senior managers found a sanitary pad in a bin that it wasn't supposed to be in, okay? And she was very upset about that. She was extremely unhappy. So she went to the department, to the department where she suspected the crime in her eyes, let's mm. say, had been committed. And she went to the female employees there and she asked them who was responsible for putting the sanitary pad in the incorrect bin. And nobody was forthcoming. Nobody confessed. So she made them strip uh, so she could see who was on their period at the time. And uh, obviously, now, I, I I have to say that I don't know whether they complied. I assume they did. Mm. Uh, but obviously, this was a, a practice that shouldn't have been carried out at all. And you might remember, just going in a slight tangent for a minute, but you might remember back in November, we spoke about a woman called Senator Gloria uh, Orwoba. Yes. Remember the one she yeah. went into Parliament yeah. with a red stain on yeah. her white on her white suit? Mm. This was the day before she was trying to pass legislation to bring... Um, uh, uh, period products and make them free in public mm. places like schools and that kind of thing. Well, she was sent a Facebook message or an email from one of the victims, shall we call them, in this particular case. And she went all over Facebook with it, right? And it brought it to the public domain. So Senator Gloria Awoba brought the incident to the public attention. And of course, uh, Brown's Food Company were bar- embarrassed into taking action. They suspended three individuals who they suspected was were involved in this. Uh, one from HR, then the senior manager and one other person. And those three people have now been arrested, um, basically. Oh. Uh, and I think they're going to be charged probably uh, under not period shaming, but probably sexual harassment laws. But it's something new in this whole story that's been going yes. on in Kenya yeah. for the last number of years and months around period shaming and the like. So uh, it's an interesting one in that case. Uh, and has Brown's Food Company, have they apologised for it? Oh, for yeah, absolutely. In no uncertain terms, they basically said that, the, you know, they suspended the three people. They're, they've launched their own investigation and they're basically saying this is not what we do. These people have gone on a solo run here and this is not policy at all. And we're mortified, basically. Yeah. 
Right, uh, Sweden we're going to go to next and uh, this is an interesting one. Mm. Uh, uh, Turkey uh, suddenly reverses its decision to block uh, Sweden's application for NATO membership. What's happened in Sweden? Yeah, I only saw that last night actually mm, because yeah. I, was, I was keeping an eye on it and um, Erdogan was holding out. Uh, you might have seen actually earlier yesterday or the day before that he said, OK, we might let Sweden in if we start talks with the European Union about getting into the European Union. I don't know if you saw that, but mm. he's some operator. You could you could talk all day well, about I mean, Erdogan. It's, it's, it's also interesting in that, in that there were a number of Ukrainian fighters who, who were released by Russia yeah. and let stay in Turkey yes. on the proviso they stayed there for the duration of the war, and then they they went home. Yeah, that happened um, on Sunday, didn't which, it? Right? Yeah. Which has annoyed Moscow as well. Absolutely. So there's maybe some sort of repositioning going on there. Yeah, absolutely. And and with Erdogan, just, I know we're not on this story, yeah. but just with Erdogan, he's recently come out of an election that he won very, very narrowly. So I wonder, is he, you know, this whole idea of trying to get into the European Union hmm. and saying that he wants to get into it, which they have been trying to do for 50 yeah. years. It's not something that he has generally tried to do, to be honest, yeah. that he's been interested in. But is it trying to, you know, sort of, um, you know, get some support from people that he from just the younger does, voters that he doesn't the, normally get yeah. support from? But anyway, Sweden. Yeah. Sorry, Sean. Yes. Yeah, no, but that's uh, he, all relevant fa- to this. It is very yes. relevant. Uh, he, he's a fascinating character, um, whatever you think of him. But anyway, a court in Sweden has basically jailed a Kurdish man for four and a half years. This happened last Thursday. Mm. Right. And it's the first time that Sweden has used, uh, has done this up under its updated terror laws. Um, and it was a case that it was involving a Kurdish militant who was a member of the PKK, which is a terrorist group as designated by the European Union and the USA and, of course, Turkey. All yeah. right. They're, they're hated by Erdogan and various other people. Um, and Turkey had been calling on Sweden to do more about Kurdish separatists that had, have been and, and still are living in Sweden for the last number of years. So they updated these laws a number, a number of weeks ago and uh, they brought this case forward. And the law, one of the laws that's specific to it is the arranging of meetings to provide financial or other aid for banned groups. And what this particular individual had actually done was had approached a Kurdish businessman in Sweden and at gunpoint told him that he needed to provide funding for the PKK. So I think that this is a little bit more than just arranging a meeting for funding, right? right. So it was on that basis that he was taken to court, he was put on trial and he was thrown in prison uh, for four and a half years last Thursday. Now the judge was at pains to stress that Sweden's bid to join NATO had had no impact on its decision. The prosecutor a month earlier had said that the timing of the case was pure coincidence. Uh, but yes. as you said, or as you alluded to at the top there, the timing is not lost on most people. Yeah. And uh, it has to be said. Uh, that. Now, the, the, but there are a lot of uh, Kurds living in Sweden. There is. Yeah, there is quite a few. All right. Uh, so it, might there be a bit of nervousness among some uh, among that particular community? Uh, I, I, I'm sure there is. Uh, and certainly those people who are involved in the uh, political aspect of uh, Kurdish separatism, uh, which I think is, is quite, uh, as you said, there's, there's quite a few of them in Sweden. There was another member of um, the HDP, which is, a, which is another Kurdish political mm. party that has been sent back or is, is due to be sent back, I think, to Turkey. But the Swedes and the Turks are saying, well, this is because of a drug crime that was committed in Turkey. So it's a legitimate yes, uh, yeah. reason for sending him back. Of course, he says that it's politically motivated. And I think what you'll find is 
that you're going to see more of this uh, over the Happening. coming weeks and months yeah. because as you said it was a remarkable U-turn last night from Erdogan. Uh, and there the, 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 also the, I think there was an issue about burning Korans in protest yeah, and that you, kind of thing. They certainly weren't happy about that. That was an Iraqi Christian immigrant outside a, a mosque in Stockholm last week who got permission from the police uh, after a court order around freedom of speech mm-hmm. uh, to burn a Koran. Now, it should be said that also there's been applications made to burn more Korans and Torahs, which is the Jewish, yes. a, Jew, a, a Jewish holy book as well. Um, it's been condemned by the political classes in Sweden, but under freedom of speech laws, the Swedes, the, the, the judiciary are saying, we have to let this go ahead. It's up to you guys in Parliament to legislate for this kind of thing if you want to stop it. Okay. Mm. Right, Australia we're going to go to next. A woman there being charged with the murder of her parents. Yeah, Raylin Polly Polly Miadis is her name. She's a 62-year-old woman who lives in Adelaide and apparently, according to her neighbours and everything, she goes to church every Sunday and a great person and looked after her parents, both of whom were 94. But her mother, Brenda, died in hospital last March and there was a, um, a coronary was done afterwards on her and they found very high levels of insulin in her body and she is not diabetic. Um, oh. A year later, her father, or the, the husband, I should say, was found in his home coronary investigation was done as well on on him and there was also insulin found in his body. Now investigations were launched and after a couple of weeks the police have put two and two together and said to themselves okay well Raylan Polyamidis the daughter she has diabetes she's the only one in the family who has and it would appear that um, she has been caught here uh, poisoning her Parents, both of who, did I say their names? I can't remember. Their age is 94 years of age. Yeah, they were quite quite, uh, very elderly. The is uh, and so she would have uh, had access to insulin anyway because yes, she was diabetic. Absolutely. The, and motive that has not been given. Uh, we know that there is a motive, but I was checking it before we came in, and apparently the motive or documents around that are going to be released later today. So we know there is one, but we don't know what it is yet ah, because it's right, shrouded okay. in secrecy under a court order. Um, so we don't know yet. Yeah. So th- 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 you you might think that if there was something wrong with it, there, that it might have been sort of. Um, a, a sympathy killing of some sort, yeah. but, but I think they were relatively healthy. For or, uh, or yeah, some, perhaps some sort of uh, uh, financial motivation yeah, there. Yeah, could be. Uh, right, uh, the Netherlands we're going to go to next. And uh, ooh, a, a ban that many parents might be in favour of. They've banned phones in schools. Yeah, well, as the father of a, of, a, of a child who's two years away from going into secondary school, I'm not... Uh, I'm not against this, uh, shall I say. Uh, This is in the Netherlands and um, they're saying that devices, including mobile phones, are set to be banned from classrooms to stop them disrupting learning. So this comes a week after uh, a similar decision was taken in Finland. So the Dutch government uh, have announced this and they said that it was introduced in collaboration with schools and will take effect at the start of next year. Now, at the moment, it's not legally enforceable. So they're looking for schools to come in voluntarily. They're going to see how it works. They're going to take it step by step, softly, softly approach. And they're going to allow schools to decide the rules around the banning, not just in classrooms, but also in the school in general. It's yes, a very important yeah. distinction, uh, of course. So it's going to be reviewed at the end of 2024-25 20, uh, school year to see how well it works and whether a legal ban is needed or not. So as I said, that will probably be down to how much... Um, 
you know, how much uh, the schools decide to go with this particular proposal. And indeed, if somebody decides to challenge it on some indeed. basis or another, yeah, you might need uh, yeah. legislation uh, to back it up. Uh, right, Uzbekistan, we're going to go to uh, finally. Always great to see uh, democracy playing out there in such a healthy, yes, healthy I, and I, uh, transparent I, way. I included this because I know you're a massive fan of yes. democracy, particularly <laughs> in the stands. And uh, this is the news, a very quick one, just that uh, Uzbekistan's president, Shavkat Mirzizayev, has been re-elected with 87.1% of wow. the vote on Sunday. Yeah. That was after a snap election was called, uh, after he had changed the constitution, uh, by the way, through a referendum uh, to allow him to uh, reset his term count from five years to seven years, which is a trick more, more in West Africa that we hear. So, so this has been taken so, up now yeah. in the stands. So that's an interesting development there. So uh, he's uh, been there since 2016. So he'll be there for a good few more years. Right. OK, well, congratulations to them. What should we uh, look out for or, over the next week or so? Yeah, speaking of elections, um, you can expect elections in Spain on July the 23rd. There's been a lot of criticism around that because it's midsummer and it's on a Sunday. And yeah. August is generally when people go away in yeah. Spain. So how many people are going to turn up for that? We don't know. But anyway... There'll be a lot of coverage uh, around that as well as the heat waves that are happening in Spain at the moment. There's also, speaking of Erdogan, there's talks of him and the Sad meeting each other face to face on the way to normalising relations. And of course, all of that will happen after the NATO summit. And you can expect a lot of coverage of that tomorrow, to this evening and, and tomorrow morning, I'd say. Yeah. Jonathan, thanks a million. Thanks, as ever, Jonathan de Berkabotler. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.